Welcome back, Chelsea fans. This is season three, episode number three of the Romans Empire podcast. We are back a week before the regular season starts um, and a week before we kick off against Man United. So here to join me, as always, is the one and only Sam Bagarzade. Sam, how you doing, man? It's great to be back. Sorry I missed you guys the last week, but I'm, from what I've heard, Zach, you did a really, really good job moderating so much that uh, we had someone listen and think that you were a full-time moderator. So maybe maybe you should take over my job. I don't know. You do a pretty good job of it. Well, you haven't been around, so what <laughs> else is there for a man to do? Um, Andres, how are you doing, man? My bad. Doing all right. I'm on podcast recording number three of the night, so wow. I am in uh, mid-season form. Yeah, voice is in mid-season form. <laughs> Dude, yeah. So I'm ready to go and talk some Chelsea. You got to make sure next time that we're the first episode that you record because, like, I mean, your voice is a little bit hoarse right now. Like, I can I can tell it in your voice that you've been recording all night. <laughs> it's it's a, it's the first couple of recordings of the season. I'm still you know <laughs> building up the the vocal cords for a, a long campaign, but I'm feeling good. I promise to give a ten out of ten. Yeah, hey, you'll break through soon. I I promise. We'll be in good form. So. Let, let's get in real quick. Uh, not not too much to talk about today. I We want to go over uh, the new numbers that were assigned, the new team kit numbers, a uh, couple Twitter questions, and we're going to be doing a preview of, or actually first we're going to be going over our, the top six, what they did over this, uh, this transfer window, and then we're going to be previewing the Man United match, uh, first match of the season. So let's get into the numbers. So... I think the first question most people were wondering after Eden Hazard left was who's going to take that number 10? And it was a debate. I think a lot of people thought Pulisic might get it, Cho, you know. But the man who takes it is all of our favorite and least favorite Chelsea member, Willian. And I'm actually really happy about this, Willian taking the number 10. I mean, uh, Zach, do you have any thoughts on Willian manning the number 10? Do you Do you like it? Do you dislike it? What, how do you think? How does it make you feel? It makes me feel meh. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not. It's not very. It, it, it's not overwhelming, right? Like it's not. Oh wow, I'm gonna go buy a number ten million jersey. But at the <laughs> same time, it's not like he doesn't deserve it. Like yeah, he he is one of our longest standing players at the club. And like the first thing that struck me with the number with him getting the number ten is like. Of course, he's not going to put up, you know, 20 plus goals and assists in a single season. He's not going to replicate Hazard's numbers. Yeah, he's we're going to save that for Ross Hazard. Barkley. Yeah, you're right. We'll save that for Ross no, Barkley to do. <laughs> no, but the thing that sticks out to me and the reason why I don't have an issue with this is because Willian has never uh, hid his his love for the club. And if we are if we don't forget, you know, that terrible season where Mourinho got sacked, Gus Hitting took over. Who was the only player that really gave a shit? Yeah, it was Willian. So. You know, in a sense, I guess um, he deserves it. But at the same time, yeah, it's kind of underwhelming. Uh, Andres, what do you think? I've probably made this joke now like 50 times, but I need to book a flight directly to the River Jordan and get baptized because everything has hey, gone right for William. <laughs> Literally everything William has wanted has gone to his way this summer. He <laughs> wasn't even in the Brazil Copa America squad. Neymar got injured. William gets brought up. Then he gets the number 10 jersey. Then he balls out and wins the Copa America. Then Hazard leaves. We already knew that, so it might not be a baptism miracle. But now he's the number 10, and he's most likely going to be a starter to at least start the season whenever he comes back from his rehab. 
This is unreal. I bet you he has the best season at Chelsea this year because of that. Like, I, I really now think that William wow. is going to score double-digit goals because everything seems to be falling right where he wants it to. And maybe maybe he'll have that extra security blanket of thinking like, okay, there's no other natural left-sided winger in the squad. Um, so like, you know, that season 14-15, Hazard was injured for most of it. He's in and out of the squad. Willian got a decent run of games in and look what he was able to do. I know a lot of his numbers come from set pieces, but still, I mean, the performances themselves were inspiring. So mm-hmm. who knows? Andres, you might be onto something. I think I think the thing that's most interesting to me is that you know, this happened almost perfect timing for Pulisic to to keep his number 22. So I'm really happy about that. Um, I'm definitely ordering my jersey. Um, sure. Some Pulisic, I know you wanted him to take the number 10. What, how, how do you feel? Uh, you all right? Yeah, I mean, it would have been cool for him to get it. But uh, I really didn't think that was going to happen. Um, I mean, 7 would have been cool too, but... Who took that again? Oconte, uh, obviously, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Pulisic wearing 22. What is there a meaning behind 22? Do you guys know this? No idea. Uh, no idea. No, but if anybody does, they could reach out, yeah. I, the seven, I was no. still rooting for 76. That would have been the best one. Oh, that would have been hilarious. If he was 76. Like, apparently, there's, apparently, there's <laughs> League, there's apparently Premier League rules against super high numbers. Otherwise, I feel like... Yeah. It would have been too good to pass up on, right? Of course, they would have a rule against someone wearing seventy six. I think that might be a touchy subject for the Brits, but uh, yeah, the so I mean, Pulisic twenty two. I want to know what what the meaning behind it is. I thought he was going to choose like if he chose like twenty three or twenty four, like I'd be like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like that would be a cool thing for an American person to do. But obviously, I mean, it's a different sport. But uh, twenty two, I'm cool with Cho. Uh, not changing his number. He's going to be 20 again. Reese James with the 24. I mean, any thoughts on that? That's. I mean, I think I think Reese is is going to be ha- having a pretty decent role on our team this year. Um, Taking over that the, Cahill number. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, who signed with uh, Crystal Palace Crystal today, Palace. right? Yeah. How unbelievably, how unbelievably buff did Gary Cahill look in the Palace kit? Like that kid is. <laughs> That kid is already tight on people that shouldn't be wearing tight kits. And the fact that, like, <laughs> arguably the most massive Premier League center back we've ever seen, or at least the most massive biceps we've ever seen, <laughs> is wearing that kit, th- that's honestly a treat for all of us, seriously. Speaking of how former <laughs> Chelsea players looked at their first day, I saw this hilarious meme on the internet where it was about, like, Eden Hazard shows up to Real Madrid's first practice four kilograms overweight, and all of them are mad. And then it said, Eden Hazard shows up to Chelsea training for four kilograms overweight. And we say, that's our thick boy. We love him. <laughs> the thicker, the better. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Yeah, so hey, maybe if you want to come back, Eden Hazard, put on a couple extra weight, we won't give you shit like Real Madrid fans will. Uh, but yeah, oh, Tammy Abraham with the nine thoughts. Is that is that number cursed? Oh my gosh, I... I don't know. He has missed a lot of sitters already wearing that mm-hmm. number. So, you know, oh. Oh. yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. He has missed a lot of sitters, but the thing I like about Tammy is that he keeps trying. Like he's definitely yeah. a trier, and I know that that's like a cheap cop out for a lot of like you know a, a lot of analysts and pundits, whatever. I mean, they use that as like a cheap way to argue their point, but 
in a sense with Tammy, it's true. If you watched him against Gladbach, he missed some easy chances, but the way he finished that penalty with conviction, mm-hmm. uh, he also scored against Barcelona after missing another sitter in that game. We talked about it last pod, but like he's pressing, he's winning the ball high up the field. There's effort there. So like, you know, that's always something to look forward to, but so yeah, you know, something we didn't Chelsea, get from Maranta so. missing sitters without any effort. So it's like, at least it's I, a give I, and take, you know? I mean, the point is he's a striker. He has to score goals eventually. Yeah, but if he's course. doing some of the other intangibles while he's at it, then he, he'll buy himself more time. So I think it'll come together for him, hopefully. I hope that number – I think uh, hopefully the number is just a coincidence of us having not good strikers and nothing to do with that number <laughs> being cursed. Um, any, <laughs> I know this is not like the most exciting talking point, but are there any numbers that stood out to you guys or should we move on? If Kennedy gets a number, that'll be an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, he, he did. He got uh, 16. So he's well, officially yeah. he's officially with the squad now. The, the, yeah, yeah, this was posted from their, from the Chelsea FC Twitter account, this picture. Wow. Yeah, Kennedy's okay. number is on there. So 16. Uh, well, that, that probably spells out the mo- the outgoing transfer of Bakayoko somewhere because <laughs> – one no, but yeah. really one or the other. Only one of them could stay because we have the limitations of the homegrown requirements and such. So yeah. between one or the other, and and I think Zapacosta as well. The three of them, only one could stay on the roster actively. If I'm not mistaken. Well, Zapacosta so. was on vacation earlier today. I saw on Instagram. So that should tell you everything <laughs> you need to know about his future. Oh. Oh. oh, guys also do you guys think 16 like has the potential of being like an unlucky number in the chinese culture and just to like further mistakenly oh, no. upset them like i, I think i, I know, just think that he, it, without it, him even knowing he probably picked a number that's like disrespectful if it does it's his own fault i mean <laughs> honestly come on like it's such a such bad poor judgment on his part like come on man you gotta know better That'll be fine. Okay, so let's get into the Twitter question. So first question we got from at Chelsea FC. He asked, is there any chance that the 600 players we had out on loan are a fallback plan because we knew we were going (laughs) – because we knew that we were doing illegal shit and we're going to get caught sooner or later? (laughs) Or am I giving our board and long-term plan too much credit? (laughs) Too much credit. (laughs) Too much credit? He's saying he's giving them too much credit for making a plan – to get out of a situation that they put themselves in, pretty much fucking themselves over. Uh, definitely I mean, too much credit. Yeah. This is definitely too much credit. I know that the board does it to, to try to get little small profits here and there. You sign someone cheap, you sell them for five times their original value. There is zero chance this board actually planned things out because right now we still have, I just mentioned them, Drinkwater, Bakayoko, and Zappacosta on the roster. So... Yeah, long-term planning, not their strength. I I think what he's I think what he's getting at here is the fact that like maybe or not maybe it's not a fact, but I mean my theory is well, Chelsea, Chelsea aren't Chelsea aren't <laughs> Chelsea isn't the only team that does this or that did this in terms of you know bringing in these younger players from other countries before they're sixteen or whatever. You know, we saw Barcelona, we saw Atletico, we saw Real Madrid all serve different transfer bans. Man City's under the microscope right now. Um, Liverpool has had a youth transfer ban for a while now too. Um, I guess that's why that one kid with the fancy hairdo hasn't officially uh, been signed on a pro contract. He's just like a part of. I, I don't know how that works Weird out. Weird kid with the fancy hair, dude. 
What? Yeah, Harvey, <laughs> Harvey, Harvey something, Harvey something, Harvey Elliott, Harvey Elliott. There we go. Uh-huh. I have it right here on the script. But yeah, I mean, we're not the only team that does this. So in a way, I could see what he's saying. But at the same time, like, of course not. I think I, I think the club are always trying to to achieve the maximum amount of success that they can. And I don't see how really intentionally I... imposing a transfer ban would do that. Mm, I think I think well, you're 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 saying it a little bit wrong. Their main priority is 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 the most profit, not the most amount of success. So that's why I think they do a lot of these loans because they, they make money off of them. So, yeah. I mean, they're definitely not doing it because they want to win. They want to do it because they want to make money. Uh, all right. On to the next question at Ron, AKA big daddy. Cool. AKA big daddy deluxe, AKA bone daddy deluxe, AKA <laughs> Ron. And none of those you mentioned his Twitter handle <laughs> the correct way. It's, I, I never, that. I, that's the whole point. <laughs> I never want to get it right. It's at Ron. <laughs> What is it? Bone uh, Daddy Cool. <laughs> yeah, right? Bone Daddy Cool. Yeah, yeah somewhere. Yeah. yeah, Bone Daddy Cool. So at Bone Daddy Deluxe says, This may go sideways, but just how like Jorginho oh sorry, let me read this again. Just how like Jorginho got a ton of slack for being sorry's guy, do you see the same backlash if Mount has a rough patch as as he is for all intended purposes, Frank's guy? Someone has to be the scapegoat. Was just wondering if you guys had any thoughts on that. That being said, I'm so hyped for the season and we'll definitely have to meet up for a pint or two. Of course, Ron, let's do it. But uh, back to his question. Is Mason, is Mason Mount going to be the scapegoat? You know, Is he, is he going to be like the Jorginho for Sari's guy last year? What do you think, Zach? Uh, definitely not, and I'll tell you why. Um, Frank Lampard's a club legend. Maurizio Sarri wasn't. Mason Mountain Academy player Jorginho wasn't. Um, I, I yeah, think I think Chelsea context. fans exactly. I mean, Chelsea fans now more than ever uh, seem to be optimistic about the future, but at the same time, we're also being patient. Nobody's talking about winning the title. Nobody's talking about making a deep championship run. Maybe making a, a an FA Cup run or or <laughs> we might make a deep Carabao championship run. run. We, we I think our team can make a deep championship run. It could be possible. <laughs> we might be good I mean, enough for that. <laughs> Look, if, if we can get a cup run in, I think it's a successful season regardless. But the fact is Chelsea fans are a lot more patient now, and I think we're being more realistic for the first time in a long time. And I think that's a difference. I think, you know, and, and I'll admit to this, I got ahead of myself last summer, as I did a lot of Chelsea fans. Okay, we're bringing in an attacking manager. We're going to bring in his regista. He's going to transform the attacking third, and it's going to be beautiful to watch and this and that. And, yeah, it was great to watch for about two months, and then it, you know, fell off. Uh, this massive cliff until the very last game of the season. <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, saw him like there was a lot more invested in that. How much did we pay for Jorginho and sorry to come in? And how much did we pay for Lampard and, and, and Mason Mount to come through, True. you know? So, you know, it, it, it's a completely different uh, comparison if you're comparing both of them. Um, but I, I think that there is patience and, and that's encouraging, especially from Chelsea fans, because we haven't seemed to have any sort of stability in a long time. And usually patience is rewarded with stability. So l- let's see where it goes. I mean, Andres, what what do you think about this? Because it's kind of interesting. Like you could see what he's saying. Right. I, I get that. But Mount was already a Chelsea player before he went to on loan to Derby. So he's quote unquote one of our own. There is zero chance that the fans are going to turn on him. He's also English. He's already been part of the international senior team. I really don't think that anyone's going to jump the gun on him. Plus, 
the the expectation's definitely different. Jorginho is an established player when we sign him. Mount again is in what 20, 19, 20, yeah, something 21, like that, yeah. something like that. I I hate that I don't know that, but yeah, he's coming he's from still far from the too. finish. Yeah, he, he's far from the finished product, and he's coming back to be a squad player, not the key component of the starting eleven. So yeah. yeah, totally different situation. Plus, again, he's one of our own. No, no Chelsea fan is gonna turn on the kid. You're, I think you're you're giving us a little bit too much credit. Um, but uh, <laughs> let, let, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't think I think it's completely different context, completely different situation. Uh, and I mean, I know him being a Chelsea product, and also Frank Lampard being a Chelsea product might give us give a little bit of leeway, but. It's definitely not because Chelsea fans are understanding. That's not the reason why. It's because it's a different context. Uh, but uh, all right, let's get into the next piece of news we got. Chelsea You're shitting on me today, huh, Sam? No, that's... is that what we're doing? How's that shitting on you? That's what Andrea <laughs> said. I was making fun of what Andrea said. <laughs> Come on, Zach, Listen, wake up. I definitely think there's a sense of I patience. Can't... You got you, oh. you guys can't tell me that there's no sense of patience surrounding this whole Frank Lampard experiment, Mason Mount, yeah. Tammy Abraham. Yeah. Thankfully, in a weird way, it's thanks to the transfer ban. Otherwise, yeah. there yeah, would be zero patience. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, all, yeah. that's also a different context. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's something not else to add to. That's not low-key at all, by the way. The fact that the transfer ban is causing all this is like – I mean, that is – that's exactly the reason why we're seeing this. Otherwise, we would be going out and probably going after Danny Ceballos and trying to beat Arsenal out for a player like yeah, him we, or Pepe. Or... Yeah, we probably would have tried signing Pepe. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, so back – I know that, that pisses me off still. Anyway, back to the new piece of news, next piece of news. Chelsea uh, bringing back Claude McAuley as our new young player and technical mentor uh, before – he was also talking, you know, talk talk in talks about uh, director of player development or anything like that. But now he's he's going to be our young player and technical mentor. So, what do you guys think? Brilliant move. Wait to see, or what? What? what how do you guys feel about it right now, Andreas? What do you think? I like it. I think that this is a good first step for Makalele. I know that he did something similar by choice when he went to Monaco. Obviously, Monaco overall as a squad, is they, they operate with much younger players. But specifically, this reminds me of the story that came out when Monaco first brought Bakayoko and how how important Makalele's role was to getting Bakayoko to mature and to become the first team member that he did during that impressive season. So Maybe a, that's a, a sign that, Bakayoko's here to stay then, huh? You can bring no, him back into form? <laughs> no, no, that is not it. what I'm saying at all. Okay, fine, <laughs> at right, all. Continue. But, but again, I, I do think that he can be a good bridge for, for the players going out on loan, kind of letting them know what that's going to look like. Even the academy players that are too young to go on loan, just you're adding another person who's got the Chelsea DNA, who's going to have a good, at least open working relationship with Peter Cech and, and Frank Lampard. So I, I think this makes perfect sense. And like I said, the fact that he is credited so highly on, on Bakayoko's Monaco success makes me think that he can handle, you know, uh, these younger immature players. And potentially he could have been someone that <laughs> you mentioned Kennedy earlier. He could have been someone that avoided such a big mistake from a young player. So what you're saying I, is I if he like can make signing. Bakayoko look good, he can make anyone look good. That's what, that's in essence what your point is, right? 
Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Zach. What about I mean, you? To to put it short and sweet, I guess he he's strengthening our strongest aspect of our club right now. Right. Something that's already strong in our youth system that 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 brings quality players through for the last seven to 10 years. I mean, we're just making that department even stronger now with him. I mean, it's clear he's a great influence on the players. And and, and this is exactly why I love the Peter Check move is because in a matter in a matter of what, a month and a half or two months, we've added guys like Paulo Ferreira. We've brought in McAuley now. Frank and Jody coming back, obviously huge as well. Um, it, seeing the old guard come back and just – you know, the band get back together, all these great personalities, these great characters. It, it's good to see. I mean, and, and this is this is why there's such a positive aura at the club. Like it's it's almost contagious at this point. Just I'm not used to this much good Chelsea news. And I never <laughs> thought I would say that in a summer where we're not even allowed to sign a player and we lost Hazard. So I mean, don't say we're yeah. not used to Chelsea news because we've been spoiled our whole our whole fanhood. It's just been recently the past two, three summers, you know. We, we we usually have good summers, but I mean obviously yeah. this band whatever. Um, all right, any anything else you guys want to add, or should we move into our recap of what the other teams did this off season? All right, so I, I say we get right into it. I can't wait to talk some shit. Yeah, this is this is our banter portion where we just talk shit about the <laughs> other top six and say how much better our off season acquisitions were than theirs, right? <laughs> Exactly. So let's start off with the champions from last season, Manchester City. So the players that they lost, Fabian Delft to Everton, Vincent Kompany to Anderlecht, and possibly Leroy Sané to Bayern. Not official. You hear so many different things from both sides. So we don't really know what's happening with that yet. Who they brought in. It looks like Danilo might go to Juve too. Mm, so that's another one. Uh, who they brought in Rodri from Atletico and Angelino from PSV Eindhoven um, so review of last season domestic treble and they just added the community shield um, so whatever that's worth community shield congratulations I mean, sorry to cut you off but but I'm pretty sure Jao Cancelo is uh is is finalizing his deal supposedly mm-hmm. to go to Man City it would be from... a cash plus player yeah, one pr- probably Danilo going the other way. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the back to, back to last season again. Domestic treble. Just won the Community Shield for whatever that's worth. Not much, but still. And also lost to Tottenham in the Champions League after a correct VAR decision. One of the most wild endings to a Champions League game I've ever seen. So. I'll start off with you, Zach. How do you think that this champion, it's this Man City team, can improve this year? I mean, they just—they've been playing their cards perfectly in the Premier League, right? They built a deep squad. They have players that are proven in the Premier League. They've that that they've brought into the club to perform. Um, you know, you don't have to look far. You look at guys like Riyad Mahrez. You look at guys like uh, Raheem Sterling coming in. Um, you know, they, they have quality in and around the squad to make a good title run in the league, but they have to start performing in Europe. I mean, it just comes down to that. Um, last season going into the champions league, I actually had them down as my favorites. I thought they were going to do it. Um, they shouldn't have lost the Spurs, but they did. And now Pep's going to have that hanging over his head, um, until, you know, he wins it or if he wins it. So, you know, this could possibly be one of his biggest challenges in his career to date 
is getting this Manchester City team to fulfill their expectations because, you know, you might be able to say the same about that Bayern team, but in my opinion, they weren't as strong as this Man City team is now. So, um, yeah, I mean, they got to start. They got to start performing in Europe. I think in terms of the title in England, yeah, they're going to be in it for the long haul. They have the deepest team, even if they lose Leroy Sané. There's, you know, the other players they've been linked with to replace him have all been quality and. Um, you know, worst comes to worst, they could just shove Bernardo Silva out wide and plug in Phil Foden. I mean, that's the beauty of having Pep build this team. So, yeah, uh, I, I take City to win the title definitely over Liverpool, and I'm not just saying that out of bias. But Andre, so what do you think? Uh, I actually think that their depth in certain positions is actually lacking. Uh, last season, they played the full season without a left back at the left-back position. So they played with Fabian Delph and Zinchenko at left-back, and they're both center mids. So I think that that's probably part of where, you know, they they could hide that deficiency in the Premier League, but then it might have been something that someone like Tottenham targeted in the Champions League in a, you know, when it's an elimination game versus a league game. I think that they finally got a backup to Fernandinho, and I, I know it was a community shield, but Rodrigo looked fantastic it's scary uh and then yeah the Cancelo's coming in and, and the guy can either be a backup to Kyle Walker or a backup to Benjamin Mendy if he gets hurt again the guy can play on both sides so it's crazy to think that the best team in England got better and yeah. it feels like those new additions have been here for longer than just a few months and the crazy thing is, I mean, even with all these talks of Leroy Sané leaving, who's, you know, I mean, you could say that he's, you, you can't say he's Man City's best player, but you could say that he's one of the best players in the Premier League, which is just crazy. Yeah. Um, he's going to leave. And, I mean, the players that they've been linked with to to replace him have, have been ridiculous also. Ayorza Ball from, from Sociedad, who's ridiculously good. He played really well at the World Cup this summer, the U23s. And then, uh, of course, you got Riyad Mahrez. Don't forget about him either. That's what I was I mean, going to say. There's so many pieces that you could shift around in that squad, and that's what I was saying earlier. Like it's The beauty of a Pep Guardiola side is having players that are so versatile. Like I could see Kyle Walker playing center back, especially because their depth out there isn't that great. If they could get this uh, Cancelo deal across the line. They brought in Angelino as backup to Zinchenko, who's definitely serviceable, I think. I mean, John Stone's... We still have yet to see, you know, him reach his full potential. Could Pep do that this season? There's so many different storylines in this team. Um, do- totally not fanboying out here because fuck Man City and fuck everything they do. But at the same time, I have to pose this question, guys. I mean, City over Liverpool this season again? For me, yes. I think I think Man City's still better than Liverpool. Yeah, I do too. I mean, Andres. Yep. Yeah. I don't see. I I I don't think Liverpool got any better, and I'm we're about to go mm-hmm. talk about them. So I'll save that for a second. Before we get into Liverpool, Zach, you mentioned earlier that you know I think that I mean Pep, even if he doesn't win Champions League, he still goes down as one of the greatest managers in in our lifetime, maybe of all time. But still, there is that pressure. Do you think that they will them prioritizing? First of all, what, do you think they should prioritize Champions League? And second, if they do, do you think that'll affect their Premier League or the domestic other any other domestic campaign? I mean, Zach, what do you think? I, I mean, I think they should prioritize the Champions League, but at the same time, that's no excuse for them to drop another what eleven or twelve points in a Premier League, right? Like they should still be getting in and around a hundred points, no problem. I mean, you look around the Premier League, especially you got 
Chelsea have gotten significantly worse. You don't have to worry about playing Hazard twice a season, who's usually a bogey player for Man City, let's not forget. I mean, Arsenal saws have found any center backs. We'll get to them soon. Yeah, they could score with the best of them, but guess what? Man City could actually defend too, so that's going to be a problem. Spurs didn't really improve. You know, Liverpool's crossing their fingers that Van Dyke doesn't go down. I mean, they should still be able to battle on all three fronts. Like, I don't think it's crazy to to think that Man City could possibly win a treble, maybe even a domestic treble. So, you know, um, we'll see how the season goes. But yeah, I mean, going back to my Pep comment, I still stand by it. I think this is definitely his toughest season as a manager um, in a very, very long time. I mean, he, he, he has something to prove because there's no excuses now. He has world-class players. He has the money. He basically has the keys to the transfers. You know, let's see what he could do with it. But you know, Andres touched upon it earlier. Rodri looked ridiculous. I mean, the kid could play. Um, and, and adding him to that Man City team. I mean, we we know how great Fernandinho was defensively, but Rodri is just going to completely transform and revolutionize that team. And you know, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be uh I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Kevin De Bruyne have you know a, a bounce back season, especially numbers wise and performance wise, with a guy like Rodri behind him. I mean, it just Imagine the confidence that yeah. that gives you as a player. And we, I think one of these days we should uh, do a little bit of a Spanish league uh, review because Atletico had a really interesting offseason. But, uh, they, they really did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but Andreas, what about you? What do you think? Oh, I, I mean, I don't think – I think the, winning the Premier League again is the bare minimum for them. I think that they can easily get another League Cup – and be done with that midway through the season. I think that the one competition that they may let go is the FA Cup just because it aligns a lot with the Champions League dates because, like like Zach said, this is Pep's best chance at winning the Champions League since his Barcelona sides. So I think he has that kind of weight on his shoulders of that he's never won a Champions League without Messi. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's going to get a better chance than this season. And last thing, do you guys think that the loss of company, is that going to be... I mean, not as far as, as the skills-wise, because they have a lot of center backs who can fill in that position, but, you know, the leadership and what he's meant for the club for all these years, I mean, is, is that a bigger loss than, I mean, is, is it as big of a loss as I'm putting it right now? I, I think, think so. so. Oh, really? cool. Oh. Andres, you first. Right. Andres, you all first. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead. I think that since Pep's arrival, there's been a few constants, and yes, company was here longer than Pep and he was there up as the, as a team improved and and became what they are today. But I think there's also other players that have been here as long, if not, you you know, not as long, but probably who have been as influential. And I think David Silva still being on this side and Sergio Aguero still being there are the two guys that now are going to be the the vocal leaders. Uh, I think Surprisingly, Kyle Walker has become a very big leader for them in terms of his personality and what he brings to the team. So, yes, Vincent Company is leaving and he was a captain for many, many years. But I think that, you know, last season and, and what they did and, and fighting off Liverpool and maintaining that one point, two point gap, that's when you needed Vincent Company. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be as tightly you know, uh, you know, they're not going to compete throughout the year as tightly as they did with Liverpool this time around. So I just don't think that his leadership is quote unquote necessary anymore. Obviously you'll miss it, but I don't think it's going to be this sort of chaotic locker room without Vincent company. 
it's not going to be chaotic. It's not going to flip the locker room over. And okay, Chelsea fans relax when I say this, but it's a very it's going to have a similar effect to the John Terry effect as when he That's left. That's what I was thinking too. He he has that type of influence in a dressing room, whether we like it or not. Like we could go on on and on. We we could debate all day, and and I'll agree with you. John Terry's a better player, but we're not debating what type of player they are. We're debating what type of leader they are, right? So losing a guy like company's big. I mean, his leadership didn't only show in the locker room either. And I guess that's what I'm trying to get at here is that he has big performances. He scores in big games. I mean, how many crucial headers did he score off corner kicks? I remember one game, I think it was against West Brom where he had two headers in the same match. And I think they nicked the result and, you know, odds were against them, whatever. I mean, that goal I mean, against Leicester, this yeah. or uh, 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 the goal against Newcastle, that won them the Premier League, exactly. right? Like, that's just the 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 cojones to shoot from that far and to score and to I mean that celebration was unbelievable. I mean, he, the thing I think he goes down as definitely as one of the greater as one of the Premier League greats. I'm not going to say one of the greatest ever, but he's definitely one of the greats. I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, he will be missed. But to that point that Andres made about you know having guys like David Silva and Aguero that have been there and have you know become these leaders. I definitely think that David Silva is Man City's Frank Lampard in the sense that that's their best ever player that they've ever had. And probably mm. that they ever will for a while because David Silva is just ridiculous. And I, mean, I can see Bernardo anyone? Silva possibly hitting that level. Really? De Bruyne? No. De Bruyne hasn't had that longevity that David Silva has. I mean, David Silva's won championships under multiple managers, which is difficult, especially at the same club when, you know, you got pieces all around you moving. So anyways, I'm done talking about Man City, man. Yeah. We know we know they're probably going to win the Premier League. Fair play to them, whatever. We'll, we'll get you in two years. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to say like I'm not even going to say like yeah we'll get you back this year. Like nah we're good. We're we'll, going to be chilling like we'll, six or seven. We'll but. take we'll take a result from you. Make yeah, make, make yeah, it yeah. a little we'll bit more. We'll steal some points, right? Exactly. Um, all right, let's get into the next team, Liverpool, um, the second place team from last year. Another. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next team. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tottenham. <laughs> all right. Uh, our... <laughs> okay, so back it to keeps Liverpool. going. It gets worse. Arsenal. Man. We got Arsenal and United. <laughs> okay, so. Uh... And that's the pod, guys. Yeah, that's it. Just a bunch of fart noises and then fuck Tottenham at the end and then we're out. <laughs> that honestly might get us more uh, viewership than actually what we do. But anyway. Um, Liverpool. So, who who's out? Daniel Sturridge, not no nowhere official, but supposed supposed to be on a free uh, somewhere. Uh, Migsy to Club Bruges, Dominic Solanke to Bournemouth, Alberto Moreno on a free again. No, we don't know where. And Danny, I think he went to Villarreal, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. And Danny's to um to Southampton. Who they bring in? Sepp Vandenberg and. Nobody else, as Andreas oh, that, alluded that to. That kid with the haircut, man. Oh, with That's the, with the cool haircut. Right, right. It's not official yet, still. But um, the haircut's not officially cool either, though. <laughs> it's, uh, it's yeah, it's debatable. I like it. Um, so, but Andreas, you mentioned it earlier. They didn't bring in anyone else. Okay, obviously their starting eleven is can, can compete with anyone else in the world. They won Champions League last year and bringing back pretty much the same starting eleven. Um, so obviously it's it's an elite club, but their depth. I mean, is does that actually going to be a factor for them, Zach? I mean, Andreas, what do you think? 
I mean, if they were looking to improve, like, I think they should have they should have signed more players. They technically have four more days, I think. But to just to kind of look at their roster, uh, you know, you you have like you said the the starting eleven. But after Robertson, your left back option is James Milner, who is again another year older. You also, you I would say that your midfield three, you know they. They're okay if you can get a better performances at Navi Keita, but you know, for example, and, and I'm going to use us as an example, our starting three, if we go to a three-man midfield, Jorginho, Conte, and Kovacic, or sorry, and Loftus Cheek, and then you have Kovacic as a backup, I'll or, or something like that. Right, Liverpool. I, I feel like there's a downgrade. I mean, I don't even think Henderson should be starting, but you know, you have Fabinho, Ox, the Ox, and Wijnaldum. Will Ox but, be back for the start of the season next year? Yeah, he's already been playing. Yeah, so. he's, looked, oh, yeah. he's looked pretty good, actually. Right. And then oh, the front shit. three, the front three picks itself. Again, Origi chooses to be clutch when he wants to. I'm not sure how much he can put in. I just I just look at the depth of this team and, and it it you know, if we catch Liverpool after a Champions League night in the league, we can beat Liverpool is the point I'm trying to make. So for me, I, I just don't think they've done enough to replicate what they did last season because i i don't think that sort of performance can will happen again like that that 90 was it 97 or 99 i think it was 97 points and didn't win the league i don't think they get to 97 points again mm-hmm. and yes their team is built for elimination competitions but in terms of the league which is the trophy they really want i don't think they'll get it <laughs> I mean, it's a, it, it, so it's an like, interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean I didn't mean to cut you off, but just have to say this: no. like, it's funny how the priorities are completely different. Man City starving for our Champions League, <laughs> and they just keep on winning the Premier League every year, and it's the opposite now with 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 Liverpool. But it's true; I think, it's very true. I, I think both clubs should just have a have a private meet and say, "Look, City, you guys could have the Champions League. Just take <laughs> yeah. your foot off the pedal for the Premier League. Give us a shot, and then you know, fair play to both of us. No, but in all seriousness, <laughs> I mean, I agree with Andres. Like they didn't really strengthen at all this season, and and I think last year they were quite fortunate to injury wise. I mean, how many how many games did the combination of Trent, uh, Robertson, and Al- and, and uh, Van Dyke miss combined all season? I mean, those guys were relatively healthy all season and are probably their three most important players. I mean, that's the foundation of their attack and their defense in a way. Um, But yeah, I mean, there are no backups to the outside backs. And the problem there is not that there aren't backups, but now you're going to be probably be playing a guy like Joe Gomez out wide, who's not attack minded. So now, you know, your attack from the deep positions on the right hand side are basically eliminated. Uh, James Milner serviceable on the left. I'm not brushing him off, but you know, you look at that midfield, is there enough creativity in there? I mean, that was their big criticism heading into this offseason was the creativity in the midfield. And you know, Ox came back, and I, we know he wants to play center mid, but, I mean, let's be fair. He's not going to get in that starting midfield. Um, he's probably going to wind up backing up Sala or, or, or Mane on one of the flanks. Um, Origi, who knows? I, th- I think something that's interesting for this season is – to see how well they respond to being the champions of Europe, because now they have that title over their head. They're going to get everyone's best game every single match. And I don't think that's something that a lot of these players are used to. I mean, you look at the more uh, seasoned sides in Europe, you look at the, 
You look at the Juve's, the City's, uh, Bayern Munich's a bad example nowadays, but maybe the even the Barcelona's of the world, they don't really slip up in league. Um, they stay relatively consistent. So um, now that Liverpool finally won that trophy, I mean, are they going to stay consistent? They're going to be getting everyone's best games. Teams are going to be hitting them harder. They're going to be tackling harder. They're going to be sprinting faster. I mean, they're, they're going to want it, right? Um, so, you know, if they could stay healthy, that'll be huge for them. But to be completely honest, I mean, like, for example, what do they do if Salah goes down? Or what do they do if mm-hmm. Van Dyke goes down? If you know, Van Dyke goes down, they're they're done. So ha, has everybody like completely forgotten that Dejan Lovren is crap? But like the guy <laughs> still, the guy has the most ridiculous single season that any crap player has ever had before. He makes two <laughs> cup finals. <laughs> the most ridiculous and seasons a crap player has ever had. That's so accurate. The, I, I think it's so accurate. But but the thing is, like that's the reality. If Van Dyke goes down, who's gonna slide in? Joe Gomez is great. Great. Don't get me wrong, but. He's still just kind of young to 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 shoulder a burden like that, and uh, he's you know, no Van Dyke. He's no Van Dyke, exactly, and that, and that's the point. So. Hey, Joel Matip, come on. We'll see. I mean, again, Van Dyke's brilliance just kind of like makes Joel Matip like a B minus to a solid B player. You know, like it, it doesn't really give him like that big of a bump. Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, they fail miserably and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they they could have used uh Firmino. I mean, not Firmino. Sorry. Um, uh, <clears throat> why am I forgetting his name? Uh, to Barca, Coutinho. Coutinho. I don't know mm. why. Yeah, I don't, they could probably use him. But I, I mean, mean, Klopp even said, you know, our our we spent all our money last summer, basically. You mm-hmm. know, between what Fabinho, Keita, Van Dyke, and and Allison. Allison. I mean, that was over two hundred million combined. Right. So like, that's a lot of money for a club like Liverpool, who has no history. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay let's end it on that um no, to another club that has no history yeah to an actual club with no history um <laughs> tottenham yes. spud so as we alluded to earlier and uh that's about it um Tom, they have no history but they have a stadium how cool is that is it guys? ready is it even ready yet it's ready it's oh, ready great can't wait to see it um so it's so you're just like completely oblivious to the fact that like the stadium was opened up like six months ago. <laughs> yeah, they they used it this season. <laughs> nah, I mean I, I don't pay attention to them. So that's probably why I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> yikes! So let's go over who they lost. Uh, Janssen oh, to Monterey, Trippier to Atletico. Not really a loss, but okay. Um, and possibly Ericsson. Uh, heading over to what were the teams that were rumored? Real and what was the other he, team? He, he would probably listen to any team that's got a decent chance at the Champions League. Mm-hmm. To be honest, yeah. yeah. So, but, but but to be fair, he didn't he didn't really cover himself in glory last season, did he? Like he he wasn't he wasn't the same Ericsson that we were used to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's fair. he had a couple of really nice moments, but yeah, overall. Um, and then who they bring in? Tanguay Dumbale from uh, Lyon, possibly Lo Celso, uh, and Ryan uh, Sessegnon, right? Uh, yeah. How do you pronounce it? Sessegnon? Yeah, you, Sessegnon. Sessegnon, yeah. Sessegnon. So, uh, I mean, those There's are also rumored. There's been like rumored. six Sessegnons in the Premier League. Yeah. I'll Same with like uh, Dembele's. Like exactly. Dembele's. That's why I knew C-6. the Dembele. <laughs> That's why yeah, I knew the Dembele. There's a lot of Dembele. C-6s in there. Uh, but, uh... 
I mean, <laughs> do you think I, obviously Tottenham over, 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 overachieved in Champions League? Um, they performed exactly as expected and bottled in Premier League. So, um, what, what, which of one of those two sides do you expect to be replicated this upcoming season? Especially if, if something happens like Harry Kane, like from last year, Zach, what do you think? Um, I'm going to go in for a second. Um, go in two things, two things. First, I actually have a little bit of sympathy for a guy like Mauricio Pochettino at this point in time. I mean, what else is he supposed to do? <laughs> to, to to bring in some more firepower. Like, yeah, okay, you bring in Dombele and you shatter your transfer record and this and that. But, like, then you're going to follow it up with, like, an underwhelming, like, Ryan Sessegnon deal. And, you know, you, you're going to freeze out your be your best left back. You're going to sell your starting right back and not really bring in any sort of replacement. It, it, it's very confusing to me. I mean, you still don't have a backup for Harry Kane. Because Llorente was gone. And yeah, Llorente left too. What are, to say what are they trying to do? Like, yeah, okay, you bring in Dombele, and I'm sick and tired of hearing all these podcasts and, 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 and like these mainstream media outlets going, Tottenham looking in to bring second star to partner with, with Harry Winks in midfield. What? Excuse <laughs> me? So like, get the fuck out Harry of here. Winks. <laughs> Look, I, uh, uh, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. I mean, as long as Mauricio Pochettino is Tottenham's manager, they're going to be a decent team. Like, mm -hmm. right? That's us being completely realistic. Are they going to win anything? No, of course not. I mean, are, are, are they going to have some type of success? I mean, maybe in Tottenham's perspectives you know that third place is a success to them so yeah maybe they might have some success again this season but they didn't do enough this offseason this was a huge opportunity for them they had a legitimate chance to grow their brand they got this brand new shiny stadium that's you know Made everyone in europe final. is supposed yeah of course everyone's talking about you know this champions league run new stadium bringing these new signings Maurizio pochettino staying and this and that but they're just, he's just not getting the backing he needs. And honestly, he's doing the rest of the Premier League a favor because I, I'm going to admit it, and, and I'm not going to hide from the fact that you know Spurs making a Champions League final last year, don't tell, don't tell me it didn't scare you a little bit. The fact that Fluke. Poch was able to do Fluke. what he did with that squad, then no. If, if, no if, if he had money – oh, come on. Dude, if he had money – to actually spend it. I'm not talking just one player because one player is not going to turn that team into a Champions League winner. But if they had, if they could bring in two or three more like decent signings, the marquee signings, that's a pretty scary team for the Premier League. But they didn't do it, so they're not going to get shit done this season. And oh, it just doesn't you know, make sense. Liverpool, Tottenham, Man City don't really bring in anyone. I mean, Man City with Roji, but still. And then in the same summer, Man United and Arsenal spend like crazy, like. It just doesn't make sense. I feel like the guys who are ahead would want to stay ahead instead of waiting for the guys lower to try to catch up with the, with where they're at. But none of them spent. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's, def it's, it's weird definitely for sure. Weird. I mean, you 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 look at you look at all the transfer news pages and rumor pages. This is the least Premier League. Uh, this is the smallest amount of Premier League headlines I've ever seen in any transfer window know, in the last weird. what like four or five years. Yeah, I guess to be fair, like, you know, Barcelona doesn't add a mega name every summer either. I mean, they did this summer, but yeah, 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 I, I think I think that, you know, when you build these strong, elite, deep teams, you don't technically have to until it's necessary. So 
I mean, City is about to get John Canzello. Like, that's a awesome signing on top of Rodri. And they kept everyone else. Like, they didn't lose anyone except Sané, yeah. which, yes, a big loss on paper. But, again, they have, like, six wingers who could start for any team in the Premier League. You're like, right. I'll, I'll, I'll take out Man City for this. I'm, right. Like, Liverpool, Liverpool should have banked on it. Maybe they're the targets they thought they could get. For example, like, they were heavily linked with Pulisic before we got him. You know, the, the, there's other factors at play, maybe. Uh, Asensio had been linked with them, and then he tore his ACL. So, you know, things like that days. happen. We'll see. <laughs> right. There is still four days, and, I mean, everyone seems to now be linked with people. I mean, for the past week, Manchester United almost got Dybala until today, where he came out and said he's not going. Yeah. But um, the one thing that I wanted to say, and I know that we try to do, like, outrageous predictions to keep things interesting. Here's mine. If Tottenham doesn't sign anyone between now and the January window, Mauricio Pochettino will be the Real Madrid manager next season because I think Zidane will flop again. I mean, wow. looking like it so far, Real has not looked good this preseason. So I think everyone's it, realizing, wow, crazy. maybe Zidane's not the greatest manager in the world after all. And that's kind of like hard for me to say because that's my favorite player of all. I mean, probably my favorite player outside of Chelsea ever. Yeah, you know him and him and Drogba are kind of for me they're like on like their own wavelength. But mm-hmm. I mean, and, this is... and not to deviate from the from the topic of the podcast, I think Real could fix their issues. Like they have the con the players to do it. But if Zidane doesn't see deliver, right. right? If the, if he doesn't deliver, Pochettino has been open to the move before, and if he doesn't get the backing from Levy. This year, after, like you said, he outperformed and got them to a Champions League final last year, they, I don't see why he would stay. They, he doesn't owe Tottenham anything at that point. You heard it here first, guys. Harry Winks to Real Madrid, $70 million, to star with their midfielders, right? Another ben star Davies. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, right back. Uh, still also is a big question mark that position um but i mean dembole like they they're they're obviously at the midfield uh it has has not really does not have a good depth as well is he going to be enough to help solve that issue Zach, what do you think i think so uh he, look he, he's a good player i mean he he could dribble he could pass he could shoot he's strong he seems pretty mobile um he could defend as well i mean he, he kind of has it all he's like a he's a he's a do-it-all midfielder he'll give you a little bit of everything so yeah i mean he, he seems like the ideal fit for pochettino but like if you're gonna ask me is this the transformative signing that's gonna just completely revolutionize this Tottenham team take him to the next level probably not i think this i think it makes him better but um i i don't think it's the most influential signing of the summer for the top six definitely yeah. not it won't add a trophy that yeah. that doesn't give them a chance at a trophy. Well, I still think they. Will. I don't think there's anything they can do to help them win yeah, a trophy. So I think they'll improve slightly. I still think somehow because Pochettino is their manager, they probably have the best chance at securing a top four spot out of the rest of the best. But it's still Tottenham. They'll mess up somehow in an elimination game and and get knocked out of the all the trophy like elimination tournaments. Great. Sounds sounds great. Uh, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Um, so let's get into Arsenal. I know we don't want to, but there's a little bit of fun in it because we get to talk shit about them as well. Um, so the guys that they brought in, 
Nicholas Pepe, obviously the big signing, seventy-two for seventy-two million pounds. Danny Sabalos. They found some money under the under the mattress, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. It was because Crazy. I think uh, they were they were uh, you know the Rams have been set up, so now they can focus a little bit more on Arsenal, uh, cranky. <laughs> um, and then Saliba, Saliba is not Saliba is going out to Saints at Tiena, right? So they yeah, signed yeah. him and loaned him back. Okay. So that's technically a signing. Uh, but uh, and then so the the departures of Spina, Aaron Ramsey, Danny Welbeck, Peter Chek obviously coming over to us. Uh, and then I mean is it, it's possible that that Lauren Colchione is like not is probably not going to show up. He's he hasn't been joined the team for preseason. Club's playing hardball. I think they're looking for an extension if that's right or he's he's wanting an extension or to be traded. Um, but yeah, so I think I, I think he has mm-hmm. an offer from from Ren, if I'm not mistaking, and and I'm pretty sure they offered him a four year contract, and he's just looking to to secure himself financially, mm-hmm. supposedly. But at the but he has to be a dick, uh, to to, to get the move he wants. So, uh, very very well done from the Arsenal captain. Was it Koscielny who <laughs> fought the the muggers in uh and wherever? They no, know. that was a Kolasinac. Yeah, that's one. That's that's one Arsenal player that I wouldn't mess with. Yeah, uh, honestly, I gained a lot of respect after that. Can you imagine? I know this is messed up to think about, but how crazy would it be if they all like died from that? Like if they actually got mugged and killed. Jeez. I know. I'm just saying, like that would be it's the craziest dark, story. Though, I'm not saying I wish it happened or anything. It's just that was like, how likely was it that they were able to fight off a guy with a knife? Like I feel like that is more well, see, amazing if, of a if story. That, if that would have happened here in the U.S., that guy would have had an assault rifle and actually would have oh, murdered them. So. Okay, now let's let's go on to the next topic. Oh god, did I just get too political? <laughs> too political. Right. Yeah, no. It, it, you know, people in England don't have that same issue. They 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 get each other with with. Uh, knives and Cautious. stuff. So uh, with uh, so let's talk. Let's talk about this front three for Arsenal because uh, the attacking is they're going to score goals with the best of them with Pepe, Laka, and Ab- and Abba in the front three. Virtually, but virtually no depth in the back. Um, so how would you rank their prospect heading into the next season, Andreas? What do you think? I, I think that unless Arsenal is averaging three goals a game, they're not getting the top four. Uh, they, they will start the season at this point with Mustafi at center back and Nathan Niles at right back because Bellerin's still recovering. Your left backs are Kalasinas, who's really a left wing back, and Nacho Monreal, who doesn't have the legs to play left back. So, yeah, Bert Leno might have had a strong end to the season, but he's no David De Gea. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see them. Like I said, they have to outscore teams by three goals if they're going to win games. Is this the new Premier League, guys? I what? mean, we're seeing a lot of attacking uh, attacking talent come in, right? Like, you got Man City that has virtually six six elite wingers. <laughs> uh, you got Liverpool that has an elite front three. Now Arsenal has an elite front three by, uh, you know, by any stretch. I mean, are we seeing this new trend of Premier League where teams are not really investing as much in defenders? I mean, I know Harry Maguire just got sold, but like <laughs> we'll take that one out of the equation. But like it seem it it seems like teams are stocking up on these, you know, quick, pacey attacking players as opposed to that traditional structured style of football where, you know, you, you probably get a target man and just one guy to run off of him. I mean, this is 
I think this is going to be the trend for this season. We're going to see a lot of front three. But at the same again. time, those other teams that you listed, they they can defend. You know, it's a trend. Right. Obviously, going for yeah. a front three, yeah, sure. But it's not like Arsenal is not aligning with the same other teams how how they're playing. You know, they do invest. No, in their but defense. no, but. Uh... I mean, I mean, I'm looking even further down the line. Look what Everton's about to do. I mean, thinking about a, a potential. <laughs> Look at front our front three. three. My... Come on. <laughs> our, our, our front three's okay. But right, like, as, of mean, now, as of now, as of now, as of now, next in a couple in okay. a couple months, it'll be amazing when Cho comes back. Obviously. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Ruben, let's not forget that. I mean, like, yeah. like I think there's potential with our front three for sure. And when Mishi, but, you know, Mishi goes into form and he scores 30 goals this season, right? <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, this is kind of where I'm at odds with Michi, is if you look at the way this man is built physically, I mean, he's a brute. You see how thick his calves are, and, like, he's just, like, this stout, like, he's just a massive human being, but he's Mm -hmm. muscular and he's trim, right? I want to see him use that this year. I don't know why that just randomly came into my mind, but I, I saw a picture of him earlier today. Uh, a training and in, in one of the training kits, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, if this guy actually put together his athleticism and his unique build, like, oh god, he would be a force to be reckoned with. But yeah, I mean, going back to Arsenal, um, the, the the front three is ridiculous. But I want to talk about Danny Ceballos coming in because, I mean, there was a lot of press coverage and media coverage over this. He was Spain's best player at the U23 World Cup. Why Real Madrid agreed to send him out on loan is ridiculous, especially considering that, you know, Modric is old and Danny Ceballos would just be the perfect replacement for him in terms of playing style and mobility. He does a defensive job. He also chips in with goals. That's a scary signing for me, but the nice thing is it's only for a year. Um, so No buying option. Exactly. So I really do hope Danny Ceballos balls out this year because I do want him to go back to Real Madrid so we don't have to see him three, four times a season. Mm -hmm. See, that also makes me think, though, that Arsenal may not use him as much because they fear that they won't be able to afford him. I don't know. It's one of those things like the way that Chelsea's loans go wrong because the team knows that if the player does well or, you know, the player is not really theirs, they're not going to use their playing time to benefit Chelsea. Like, I, it's tricky. Like, lone players like this are tricky. Just like Kovacic, like, he started very strong, then he kind of did poorly, then he did okay. So it's one of those things where if he does play really well, like you said, he's gone. If he plays poorly, then maybe he's just not good and Arsenal do get him for cheap. I don't know. It, it's weird. I just think it goes back to, to the, the point that if Arsenal can't defend – are they even going to have the ball? Like, Ceballos doesn't really offer much defensively. So, yeah. at, at what point is this well, offense really going to get to do what they're good at? If... Well, that's the thing. I mean, the, the argument will be made that by keeping the ball, that's your best defense. And I think I think bringing a guy like Danny Ceballos is going to help the defending in that sense. That, yeah. you know, now they're going to have more possession. They're going to have someone that's a little bit more neat and tidy. He probably won't take as many chances on the ball as a guy like Granit Xhaka de, uh, did, or 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 a young Guendouzi, who I think is actually a pretty, who could be a pretty decent player. But yeah, I mean, I see your point. I could see them not playing him as much. But on the flip side, I think Unai Emery is is, is the right manager to manage a situation like that. Because he seems to be one of those inspirational managers that rides his players on adrenaline as much as he does tactically. So 
maybe he could compensate and, and plug in whole and plug in you know stopgap players like a Guendouzi or maybe like a combo or a double pivot of like Guendouzi Torreira, uh, you know, a, a, every few matches and gradually rotate in Ceballos and I mean who knows what's going to happen, but that for me that's a scary one because now Arsenal have that classy midfielder that they've been missing. And I'm not talking about Aaron Ramsey, <laughs> right? Like, like this. De- Danny Ceballos has the ability to be like a, like a, almost a transformative player for the club. Like, I think I would argue that them bringing in Ceballos, if he could get regular playing time, would transform that Arsenal midfield more than Ndombele would transfer the Tottenham midfield. Interesting. I think yeah. that, uh, I really like him too, and I think Real is obviously after this Asensio injury, kind of regretting the loan, but. Um... I think I think Andreas said it perfectly. Just like the fact that it's a weird situation being on loan on, on one side, you you don't want to help out another team, even though you know it's a different league. Also, you don't want to fall in love with them, you know, and have to pay, overpay overpay for him if they want to keep him. I know there's no buyout option, but still, like if he balls out, they're gonna fall in love with them and have to pay top dollar to keep him. So. Yeah, uh, it's 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 gonna be. I was gonna. I'm I'm gonna keep my eye on that for sure. I don't I don't normally keep my eye on what happens with Arsenal players because normally they're shit. But he's an exception because he's technically on loan. So you know. To to make it easy, you don't want to be Andreas in the summer with a Kovacic jersey when you have no <laughs> idea if Kovacic is even gonna be your player. Anymore. Hey, but it worked out for you. It was a great investment. Yeah. It was perfect. And he kept his, and he kept his number two, so you don't have to buy anything new. <laughs> So let's uh let's let's move on to Man United, the final team we're gonna go over. Uh, it's the old revolution. The old revolution has begun. Old Gunner finally getting the getting the keys to the war's chest and really spent big, big this transfer window. So obviously as we alluded to earlier, Harry Maguire for eighty million pounds, a world record fee for a defender. I mean Let's whoa. At, That's at, a lot of money. At Enward asks this question, and I hate to be rude. You know, I don't. I never want to disrespect any of our listeners, but I mean, it's it's a ridiculous question. <laughs> he says for you, for me, I guess. Yeah, he says, is Maguire for eighty million pounds too high, too low, or just right? <laughs> uh, Andreas, I mean, we, what do you think about well, the number? Why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell us why you think it's ridiculous, Tom? Why do I think it's ridiculous? Because yeah. uh, the guy whose record he beat, Virgil van Dyke, is 10 times better than Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> according to my math, he, he should be getting paid one-tenth of what Virgil van Dyke got. Uh, but also adjusting for inflation, you know, and how, how you know the transfer fees go up every year, maybe half. But he got more. I mean, that he cost more. So that's... We saw something funny earlier this week. It said Man United re- only really paid $50 million for Harry Maguire and another 30 to never see Phil Jones play again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does that, what kind of impact is that going to ma- be on Man United's uh, on the 11th? Um, uh, uh, Andres, you could take yeah, it. Go ahead. Yeah, so I definitely think they overpaid. I think that... I don't know the structure of his current con- contract with Leicester, so I don't know if he had like five years left, and that's why the price is so high. I just, yeah, I mean, if you pay 75 mil for Van Dyke, you should be paying 55 mil for Maguire. I, I don't know. He, 
the kind of impact you can expect, even though he doesn't look the part, and I know this is superficial and everything, he doesn't look like the smartest guy, right? But McGuire can actually play a decent pass from the back, so he's got decent distribution, and that giant forehead of his is a problem on set pieces. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of one of those things where he'll be an upgrade on Smalling or Phil Jones immediately, but... For him to make an impact on the 11th this weekend, I think that's too soon. He has yet to play a match with Lindelof, so that's the kind of center back partnership. And Zach can elaborate on this. That's something that you develop over, you know, weeks and practices and matches. It's not yeah. something that happens it's telepathic overnight. in a way. Yeah, yeah. You you have to know where the other person is because, you know, you can communicate to an extent, but you you're looking at the other team coming at you, you're not looking over your shoulder to see where your other center back is. So that's another advantage with a big forehead. He's also telepathic with that big brain. So that, that'll help out too. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that they overpaid. I think that it's a necessity. Maybe that's also why they overpaid. Cause again, Phil Jones and Chris Smalling leave a lot to desire. Plus by Lee got hurt. So uh, that's another center back who would have been better than Smalling and Jones. Who's not going to play at all this season. So too high, but he will eventually, you know, be good for some of that price tag. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I it's it's ridiculous. It's it's so much money. <laughs> Eighty okay, million thank you for agreeing with for, me. I thought, I thought no, 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 no. I, like like here's the thing. I don't think it's a stupid question to ask because I think you could ask the question in two ways. You could ask it in a sense that is eighty million too much? Of course it is. Or you could ask it is this a bad purchase for Manchester United? Mm -hmm. And and when you look at it in that context, it's not a bad buy for them. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of they had a weakness in a the squad, they addressed it, and they've improved on it tenfold because, you know, as much shit as we're talking about the transfer fee, it doesn't mean Harry Maguire is a completely shit player. He, he's actually a decent center back. He had one of the better seasons in the Premier League last season across all center backs. Um, Andres touched upon it. I mean, the guy's absolutely massive. I think he has some, one of the best success rates, uh, for aerial duels in the premier league. Um, he, he likes to dribble out of the back. He, he, he likes to, uh, to, to, to play cross field passes, diagonals. I mean, he's a solid player, but you know, partnering him with Lindelof, it, it makes sense in a way that, yeah, your defense is going to get better, but what kind of confused me is that Solskjaer is talking about playing, you know, this this sort of counterattacking style. They they want to be this fast and fluid uh, attacking team, right? Like they want to bring the joy back to football at Old Trafford. And I mean, the fact of the matter is, when you get a smaller team coming to Old Trafford to play you, they're going to sit back, and now you're going to be playing with a high line and having a back line of Harry Maguire and. Lindelof playing a high line might be cause for concern if you're a United fan, but at the same time, you did bring in a guy like Juan Pasaka, who's, you know, he's going to stay back. He's not going to bomb forward and play, you know, seven or eight crosses into the box every match. It's just not the type of player he is. So it's going to be an interesting season for Man United. Um, it, 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 it's confusing because we look at the price tags again. I mean, you look just between two defenders, they spent what 130 million pounds, but on the flip side, they're so unwilling to spend on attacking players. Like I think they're in talks with Bruno Fernandez right now. Who really knows what's going on? They didn't really pursue the Dybala thing as much as the Dybala thing happened 
<laughs> to them, right? Yeah, like it was more media. of like a microcosm of yeah, of of media kind of blowing things up out of proportion and whatnot. But you know, you still got the lingering issues of Lukaku and Pugba. So now you have two players in a dressing room who are openly dissatisfied. Alexi Sanchez could possibly make it a third. Um you know, a squad full of relatively young players sprinkled in with some experience. How are the experienced guys going to respond? I mean, how are the guys like, um, uh, let's say, Phil Jones and Chris Smalling, maybe even David De Gea, Pogba if he stays? I mean, that's a problem for the older players in the squad that are trying to achieve some sort of success. But, I mean, you you got to be realistic at, about it at the same time. I mean, who knows what you're going to get from Martial? is Rashford really a number nine or is it going to be better served out on the wing? There's so many question marks. And the only real answer to this guys is so obvious. It's Sean Longstaff. Oh my God. <laughs> I think no, real- no, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but, but that's where it's confusing. It's like, they're going to go spend 130 million on two, two, two English defenders that are, I wouldn't call either of them world-class, not to say that they don't have the potential, but the money could have been spent elsewhere yeah. Right, like they they always needed defenders, but maybe a seventy million pound budget between two players I mean, would have been better served. But Zach, right? you make I a guess... good you make a good point. How much does he go for if, if he's not British? I mean, oh, maybe thirty five or forty. Right, right. Yeah. obviously, but that that kind of comes with the leagues. I mean, it, it's just the way these leagues work. Like you, Barcelona has to have a certain amount of Spanish players. I honestly think that the fifty million price tag for Basaka is good. The guy was. He was like one of the least paid players at Crystal Palace. He had the highest like number of tackles and amongst all right backs in the Premier League. He also had ridiculous dribbling numbers. So I think that he is a huge upgrade to either Ashley Young or Valencia at right back. So I think that was definitely a necessity. Yeah. And and Juan Bissaka, he's rated up there like equal to Reese James. And and we obviously know what we think Reese James can do. And I think it's crazy to think that England has such good right young right backs. Obviously, Trent Alexander-Arnold is the the kind of the cream of the crop, but then behind him you have Juan Bissaka and Reese James. Like this kid's gonna be really good. I think that he will help the wingers moving forward just because his dribbling numbers are so good, and maybe he'll benefit from the fact that he'll have better teammates around him because you know playing for Crystal Palace. Wilfred Zaha tries to dribble seven people, loses the ball, and then you get hit on the counter. And they didn't lose as many games, thanks to Juan Bissaka. So yeah. I, I actually think he's probably worth the $50 million. I just think that center mid right now, especially the defensive center mid, is, is just such a problem for Man United. At this point, they have Scott McTominay, like, backing, you know, covering for Pogba. And that's just disaster waiting to happen. What's crazy to me is that they haven't really gone after Declan Rice like I thought they would. Like, their glaring weakness is the defensive midfield position, right? They don't have an anchor. They they need a player that they could just kind of drop in there just so he could fuck shit up, keep the ball, retain possession, uh, keep the tempo. Doesn't uh, doesn't Declan Rice tick all those boxes for them? And they're going after these young English players. Why is there no interest? I mean, if they're willing to go spend 80 million pounds on Harry Maguire, I would have rather spent that money on a guy like Declan Rice. Yeah. Um, I think let, let, Let's continue this conversation while getting into the preview of this match uh, on the 11th on Sunday. So, um, first game, first match of the season at Old Trafford this Sunday. 
I cannot, I can't believe it's already here, actually. Like, it seems like... Thank God. It really snuck up on me. Like, I'm so happy that it's... Snuck it's, up on you? I mean... This is the longest summer of my life. <laughs> really? I didn't, I didn't have anything to As look forward Chelsea to. As a Chelsea fan, when I have my Chelsea hat, yes. When I have my Laker hat on, no. But, the, I mean, it, it, it's been such a long summer. But At uh, least that's what it's felt like. So, let's talk about our starting 11 for this first match. I mean, put yourself in Frank Lampard's shoes... Who? What's the team selection? Who's the eleven you're picking, Andreas? I'll start off. Start off with you. Kepa in goal, Emerson at left mm. back, Aspie at right back, David Luiz at center back with probably Zuma, then uh, a double pivot of Jorginho and Kovacic unless Conte's available. Then I would have. It sounds like Williams not ready, so probably Pulisic, Barkley, Pedro. And, man, the forward position is the one that I'm still kind of just confused about. But I think Tammy's going to get the nod. So that would yeah. be the 11 in a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys. Um, if <laughs> I could pick my lineup, that's what it would look like, actually. So I put Michi in reasoning... instead of Tammy Abraham, but I think Tammy Abraham gets picked. I could see Michi starting, but at the same time, I could also see Olivier Giroud even start that match, possibly. Of I mean, course, it's the yeah. first match of the season. Don't you want to throw your most experienced players out there, like the guys you know what you're going to get? Especially in a but big game the, like this, yeah. A big game like that, especially, yeah. But at the same time, um, the big worry for me is, is the goals. One, we don't score enough for the chances we create, because I don't think creating chances is, is really an issue, even with Hazard leaving. Especially against Gladbach, I mean, there were multiple. They're no, they're no mugs by any stretch, and I know it's preseason, but like we should have scored six or seven in that game, and that's not. Hey, I mean, the goals came raining in in Salzburg, so I mean, yeah, it's yeah, not, they did. Like, they... and the problem is they also ran in on the other side of the pitch, right? Like we're also taking the ball out of our net way, way, way more but, than we should. I mean, yeah, so. and then they have like twenty-five shots on us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, look. Uh, I, I I guess I agree with the lineup you guys put out. I think if I did make one change, I would actually start Christensen and Zuma together instead of David Luiz. Um, I don't think David Luiz is can play uh, in 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 his in a back two essentially with without a natural number six playing in front of him. No if Conte plays in, it, I, Look, if Conte is playing, then for the first game of the season, I would start David Luiz. He wouldn't be my first choice for, for for the whole season. I mean, in a perfect world, it would be Christensen and Rudiger every every match, and then Zuma sprinkled in a little bit, right? But David Luiz just cannot play there if it's Kovacic and Jorginho. Like, I I I will be shielding my eyes the whole entire time every time yeah, they get the ball in the final right. third. I I I get that. I guess I'll, to to kind of contradict that, I think that. Specifically, we didn't talk about the Motion Gladbach match just because, you know, friendly and whatnot. But that first half, when it was Christensen and Zuma, we had zero buildup out of the back. And that was yeah. actually mistakes from Christensen trying to force passes that led to the goals. So, I, as much as David Luiz can't quote unquote defend on two, which we know he has his deficiencies there, I think what he brings on the ball especially with Lampard also preaching a possession style, I think it's just needed right now. And and just, yeah, I, I think you need to have that outlet pass or that the guy that can find 
that pass that someone else might not or can put a ball over the top to avoid the press. So that's why I have Luis on my starting lineup. I, I just think yeah. he's kind of necessary right now. And I think Rudiger would be a perfect type of center back for a guy for a manager like Frank Lampard too, though, because like we we talk about the lack of distribution. Rudy's actually pretty decent <laughs> at clipping a 40, 50 yard long ball, right? So yeah. maybe he maybe he could step in for that role once he comes back, but of course that remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean any combination as long as Rudy's in there, I think I'll be okay. Um, maybe not so much of the David Luiz Rudiger thing because I I almost. I think I died and came back to life maybe seven or eight times on seven or eight different separate occasions last season yeah. watching them together. Uh, so Man United's been playing really well in preseason, but I mean, do you guys think it'll lead lead over into the first game of the season? And also, kind of going back to the last conversation, do you think that this whole old Gunner project is really going to work out for them this season? I think it's I think it's a lot more. Uh, I think Solskjaer is under a lot more pressure than Frank Lampard is because I think Chelsea fans are sort of using this time to sort of regroup and catch our breath a little bit and come back down to earth, whereas Man United fans are getting a little agitated. Um, yeah, they, they made a few big money signings, but you know, when you have fans cussing out their who's effectively your best player on the last day of the season and he's still at the club a week before the next season starts – it's never a good situation to be in. So if things if things start to go sour at United, I won't give Solskjaer very long. I think it's going to be a very rough and tumble season for them. I don't think Pogba's going to play much. I don't think we'll see Lukaku in the United kid again. There's just too many question marks in the side. There's a lot that could go well, but I think that it's a lot more risk than reward at this point for them. So I'm going to stick by my guns here. I mean, I, I think they'll be in and around the same level we're going to be at. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give us the edge, not because I'm a Chelsea fan, but because I think we do have that extra bit of quality in the side that uh that they don't, especially at the back. Andreas, uh, let's 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 start off with the score predictions. What do you think? What do you think this final score will be? Because we can't get a shutout, I think we're gonna win two to one. Somehow United they don't get that one counter. Martial will get an open shot or something and score on us. But I really think that the high press is going to make United sweat a little bit. And, and I think we'll force some opportunities that way. And I, yeah, I think we can shock quote unquote shock everyone and get the result and win two to one. Just going to throw it out there. I won't be surprised if Mason Mount starts this game, especially after the way he performed at Old Trafford last year in a Derby County Jersey. Just saying, let's go. I still think it'll be Ross Barkley, but, if it is a, I I think I think we all yeah, could boss. agree in saying that if Mason Mount does get the starting nod over Ross Barkley, we'll all be disappointed, fucking excited what? to see that. <laughs> no, no, you would what be disappointed. Get okay, the the, then here. then no, we will not all be excited to see that. I will be <laughs> I will be disappointed. I wasn't here last week to give my boy Ross Barkley some love after that amazing that clinic he put out uh, against against uh, Salzburg. He, he's the next. He's the next Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard will make him into the next super, super Ross. I, I'm, I, that, that's my bold prediction. Okay. I hope you're right. Twenty goals, eight, ten assists. That's my prediction. <laughs> eight assists. Sorry. Yeah, right. Eight assists. Holy cow! I was gonna, I was gonna be like, yeah, I'm on the 
the the bandwagon <laughs> with you, but then you took it like no, three levels. You are further not. You are not on my bandwagon, like, my man. Nine goals. Three assists. I was thinking was like, yeah, yeah something like twelve goals and seven assists in the league. Like yeah. I was going double digits. Twenty digit and ten is a little too high. Crazy number. Tw- I mean, look, like, he's never hit double digits. He's never hit double digits in goals and goals or assists in his career. So. He's never had Frank Lampard as, as his manager either. So. <laughs> and, well, he also – I did notice somebody pointed it. out that he did take free kicks and a penalty kicks recently. So mm-hmm. maybe he's got them on to do set pieces, which is – as Pogba has shown, an easy way to get double digits in a regular, you know, Ooh, you yeah. know Premier League season. Exactly, yeah, that'll add true. seven or eight. Perfect. Easy. Exactly. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm I'm so excited for this Sunday, guys. I mean, it 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 has been a long time coming. Although it did sneak up on me, it's been a long time coming. Like, I cannot wait. I know this was not like the summer that that we had envisioned last year, but you know, obviously we didn't really bring anyone in. Pulisic kind of counts. Pulisic counts. So yeah, I I just can't I, you know like I'm good I'm happy to have no expectations on this team and go into the season like not expecting anything and just being mm-hmm. I know they're gonna over overachieve from what I expect right now. I mean I'm still gonna be pissed when Burnley beats us three two at home and like oh you yeah know, that'll well, yeah that'll piss me when off. we like lose a Southampton off like a stupid penalty call like late in the second half or something like of course but th- there's gonna be growing pains. Right. I was going to say that there are going to be times where we lose games that we think we can win. And that's just going to be part of the season, especially with so many of these young guys playing in the Premier League for the first time. If they're playing well, I just need to see something that works. I know you talked a little bit about Frank Lampard's tactics and what you to expect from this year. If it works, that's I'll be happy, even if it doesn't get yeah, the result. Yeah, we, we, we got to find some sort of formula that works for him, right? And then like maybe next summer, offload four or five of the squad players, bring in some players that Frank thinks could be serviceable. It, it's just a matter of finding a blueprint that, that, that him and Jody could sit down and identify, maybe even Peter Cech too, and be like, look, this is our blueprint. This is how we're going to go the next three years. Here's our budget. Here's what we're going to give you to work with, and Let's see what you can do. I think I I honestly think that's the key this season. It's just, it's just finding something like that. I mean, yeah, there's really no other way to go about it. But yeah, guys, I mean, th- that kind of brings us to the end of our episode. Andres, I know you just launched a new podcast. Um, I like that shit. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet, but I was actually going to on my way to work tomorrow, so I'll let you know how it goes. But why don't you let all of our lovely uh, lovely listeners know? Um, a little bit what it's about. You can plug it. I mean, go for it, man. Yeah. So quickly, I did start a new podcast. It's called the student of the game podcast on Twitter. I'm at at S O G underscore footy pod. And I'll be talking about football in general, not just Chelsea. So, you know, give other big sides a little bit of, of time on, on a podcast, talk about big storylines, whether it's the growth of the sport in America or, you know, the whole U.S. women's national team equal pay conundrum. Maybe talk about transfers, managers in the hot seat. Um, I'm also going to be doing a soccer for dummies or, or something along those lines to bring new fans to the sport up to speed so that they can love the game as much as we do. So it's just kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of things. Again, not Chelsea-specific. I'll still be a part of Roman's empire to talk about the best club on earth. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you guys want to get a little bit more football content, I hope to to have at least one episode a week, get some fun and interesting uh, guests on the pod. I am going to have, if some of you follow her, Sue Jin, 
a member of the LA Chelsea Blues mm. and a huge LAFC supporter on the pod sometime in the next week. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I'm trying to bring in topics that we don't really discuss here just because we love Chelsea so much. But yeah, if you want to be a part of it, send me suggestions, give me a follow. And, and just like you send questions here, feel free to send questions to the, to the student of the game pod. I think we'll definitely snag some of the empire listeners um, to also listen to your podcast, Andres. And we're going to be on as guests too, right? Of course. Awesome. I mean, yeah, man. Just because it's mean, not just because it's not a Chelsea podcast doesn't mean we'll eventually have to talk. I mean, about he's Chelsea. gonna need he's cool. gonna need someone to come in and talk about why LAFC is gonna win the the MLS Cup this year, right? Yeah, um, actually, no, don't talk about MLS. <laughs> but um, yeah, guys, it, it it should be pretty fun. I I'd love to have some of your support if you have friends that like football and support other teams. Invite them to follow. Um, yeah, just just trying to put out content on everything and anything football related so yeah and andres didn't you make a special appearance this week as well yeah so the total total soccer show reached out to us after our episode last week where we talked about the salzburg game and what frank lampard had had been up to so either tomorrow being uh tuesday the 6th or potentially the day after I'll be featured in the Total Soccer Show talking a little bit about Chelsea and what we can expect this season. Um, I thought it was a great episode. They asked me a lot of questions of things that, as Chelsea fans, we we just assume everybody knows. But maybe a few of you guys weren't aware of certain things and, and can learn a little bit extra stuff. Uh, Daryl was a great host, and hopefully they can reciprocate and, and be on our podcast talking football and, and their view of Chelsea from the outside looking in. That would be incredible, boys. If you're listening, we would love to have you guys. Um, we'll probably gonna be we're probably gonna wind up reaching out to you on Twitter, anyways. Um, so we'll be bugging you soon. But uh, yeah, uh, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. So Sam, Andres, as always, it's a pleasure. I'm not just saying this. I think this is one of our better episodes as well. Season three is off to a great start. I think we're three for three so far. Nine points in the bag. Solid goal differential. And uh, until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.